everybody. Welcome back to God is Not a Theory. Uh, I'm Ken Fish, your usual interviewer and MC. Uh, Grant Pemberton today is present with us, but he's not starting the podcast because he is the one that we are interviewing. So uh, Grant made the comment before we started the recording um, that we should kick this pig. Grant, you are the bacon today. We are you are the pig that we are. That's good. That. let's get let's get crispy baby let's do All right. it crispy bacon <laughs> so um for those who don't know grant pemberton is one of our speakers at the fusion conference and uh he'll be leading um a main session he'll also be involved in one of our panels and he'll be cruising around doing other things too and he's also been deeply involved in the organization and planning of this event so i thought why don't we interview grant as one of our speakers you may have noticed that as we've gone through the weeks uh, we've picked up several of them, but we haven't. We don't have every single one of them uh, doing a pre uh, pre conference podcast. But anyway, we did decide we wanted to have Grant. So Grant, welcome to our show, with which you are very familiar. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here, Ken. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Grant, tell us a little bit about what it's been like to be involved in fusion from the organizational side in the ramp up coming into our final days before the conference, what, how's it been for you the last several weeks and months? Uh, I know you've had your own kind of challenges in life and church that you run, et cetera, but I'm thinking more particularly, what's it been like to be part of our fusion planning team and process? You know, I, I was thinking about this the other day. We, we've been, you and I have been talking about this conference in one iteration or another for a couple of years uh, honestly. And, um, so it's really exciting to see that it's only a few weeks away. And, uh, and, you know, originally, you know, we were thinking about being able to host it and then it just kind of kept growing and growing and growing. And, uh, we had to find uh, a bigger boat. And so, um, just reaching out to friends, fellow pastors in the area and, um, finding the spaces that's been difficult. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, uh, you know, being able to find a venue that can host, um, you know, this amount of people that we're expecting here uh, has been challenging, especially in Nashville. People in Nashville charge a lot for venues. And so uh, the churches that we're with have been very gracious and uh, we're able to keep the cost down for everyone, which I know is, is important. And, you know, it's been it's been really good. It's been a lot of organization um, with your team, which has been interesting to be on that side. I'm not officially a member of the Orgus Orbis, I even mispronounced it, the Orbis, uh, you know, team. So it's been interesting to be a part of, uh, of those meetings and meeting some people, meeting people like Matthew and, um, all of those guys. Uh, so, you know, it's no surprise, you know, for nonetheless, just because I'm with you, but you, you carry a lot of, uh, top-notch people on your team. And so, uh, it's been really cool to, to interact with those folks and, and get this get this stuff going and out and we're everybody's excited there's a lot of anticipation matthew flew in what last week and we walked the uh walked the venues and spent the day together and uh plan logistics we're trying to organize volunteers on our end um you know to be able to to handle everything that's going on because this is going to be a pretty jammed uh conference and i know uh you've been to 
way more conferences than I've been to, but this is, this is pretty jammed and there's going to be a lot of content, a lot of really good takeaway sessions and opportunities for people to do things that they don't typically get to do, which is really cool. And, um, you know, especially if you're, uh, if you're not like on VIP lists, which most of us are never on, you don't get to experience, I think a lot of the face-to-face time that, that we're going to be able to offer, um, our guests with, with the speakers and uh, the Q&As and sort of the more it's, it's going to be, even though it's a really large conference, it's going to be pretty intimate in the way that you've set it up and it's been designed. And I, I think people are going to really appreciate that. I know, I know I will. So I'm excited. Good, good. Um, so tell us a little bit about uh, what you are thinking about from our topical standpoint of fusion. Now don't give away all of your gems because you do have to do a general session and we want people on the edge of their seats waiting to hear from oh, yes. Pemberton. Yeah. But uh, but tell us a little bit about what you're thinking about thematically, and uh, you know what you're going to be bringing to the conference from your own perspective. Yeah, you know it's interesting. Um, all of the astrophysics talks, or whatever it's called, is way over this East Tennessee boy's head, and so I I had no concept of what fusion meant. Uh, or anything like that. And so as we've been dialoguing about it and the idea of, of where prophecies and, and miracles and how that works uh, and, and really helping me to understand um, what, what that is, is meaning, I think is going to be such an interesting conference because as someone who's sort of like been a practitioner and a layman for years and trying to go and meet all these people and and grow in the gifting and all of that sometimes it feels like you you hit this plateau of okay you know i'm getting semi-specific words of knowledge um cool and and eventually it feels like it sort of just plateaus and then you go to to things and people come along that you just sort of see this spike up in what's available and and then what I've found in my experience, and I know this is this is a, a Wimberism, is is so much of this is so much better caught than taught. And there's this idea of if you can just get around people that are moving in things that that you want to move in, it just sort of happens. And um, and so I think in that in that regard, I think it's really going to be a beneficial conference uh, to people because I know even in our local church when we're training training people. You know, it's great to learn how to get words of knowledge for people. It's great to do that sort of thing. But but we want to see it progress to a level where the people that you're getting those words for don't just walk away going, oh, wow, that's great. But they walk away changed and affected by the presence and, and, and glory of God. And so that's often more rare than we think, um, because a, a lot of times what I found is the charismatic pool can be shallow and um and and so I'm I'm excited to to plumb the depths a little bit more on this conference and and to see see what comes from this. I know there's a heavy equipping focus. It's not just going to be information. Um, it's going to be it's going to be heavy equipping because we need man. We need people. How many? How long have we been talking that um, you know there there's a harvest that this revival is now that we're we're here in this new era in this new time. And the harvest is plentiful. We're seeing, we're seeing salvations 
uh, at our church, I mean, we're just a church of about 500 people. So we're not, we're not large, but since May, we've, we've seen over 80 baptisms so far. Um, and they're from people outside. And so we're just seeing this increase of, of people coming to know the Lord. And um, I have a friend who, who's at our church who was in the Jesus people movement. I think we've interviewed him, Don Absher. He says, you know, during the, during that time of the Jesus people movement, you could say things like cheeseburger and people would just come to faith. Like it was just in the water. And I'm starting to hear stories like that. I'm starting to hear people talk about, I can't believe how easy it is to share my faith and to see people grab hold and come to faith. And so we're there, you know, we're, we're in the move of God. And you and I have talked about this, um, I mean, at least for two, you know, at least for this year, but I know we've been, you and I've been sensing it coming, uh, going back into last year's podcast where we were talking about the great reformation that's coming and all of those sort of things. So it's, I, I would keep telling people that we're here. And so we need all hands on deck. We need, um, we need people that are, are equipped to, to work the harvest. And so I'm excited about that, uh, for this, for this conference and for doing that. I know for me, you know, I, I would hear stories of people that would move in things and I, w- I would want to move in those things as a minister, as a pastor, as just someone that, that was, you know, encountering broken people. Cause you, you really want to just help as many people as you can, right? You don't want to do it just for the sake of being able to have another trick in your tool belt. And I would, I would go to those places. I would go where there, those people were. I would uh, spend time, spend money. I would invest in, in the kingdom and then I would begin to see it start to happen. And so now it's, I mean, for example, I used to hear stories of scars disappearing um, all over uh, the room as people would talk about it. And, uh, you know, we, we were a younger church, younger people. And so we dealt with a lot of people that were cutting, you know, dealing with cutting themselves. And uh, it was pretty, you know, pr- pretty common in our demographic of people that we were reaching. I just remember thinking what an amazing way that uh, you can just demonstrate the love of God and the forgiveness of God and the redemption of God. If those, if those can actually start to disappear uh, on, on the people. And so I just went and, and I tried to get around the people that were seeing that spent the money, bought the plane tickets, you know, called you, got in contact with other people, whatever it took. And I'll never forget the first time that we saw it. And you know, it was just one person and it was amazing. And like, nobody believed, I didn't believe it. He didn't believe it. And then all of a sudden it was just sort of this, you know, this continued like trickle effect until it became anytime we share the stories now. Um, and, I've, and this has happened within our building, outside our building at youth camps, wherever we share the stories of these people that are experiencing this, it just happens in the room now. And so, Hudson talks about Randy's picked up the language, but Bill's the one who pioneered it of the power of testimony. Mm-hmm. And when we tell stories of what God has done or is doing, um, there's something about that. Maybe it ignites faith, uh, but but what, however exactly the mechanics of it are that it works, it, it seems to trigger the replication of yet more of the same. Absolutely. I mean, you, I don't even have to pray for it uh, now. And in fact, I would I would ask people that are listening to this to check uh, because I've seen even that um, is just as we're talking about it, 
just scars start to disappear. And I'll tell the stories and then I'll say at the end, like, why don't you go ahead and check? And sure enough, man, people all over the room will say, oh my gosh, you know, this, this, I mean, you've seen like C-section scars and all kinds of things like that disappear. And it makes sense, right? Because uh, the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And we're talking about the goodness of God and, and what Jesus brings to us and how he's just so loving and kind. And this is how kind he is. And then all of a sudden, this prophecy basically becomes released because of the testimony of Jesus and, and you know, and staying in theme with, with fusion. And so then you start to see this combination of miracles and prophecy, which is the testimony of, of the goodness of God and what Jesus is doing. And so I'm excited. I'm excited because there's people that are going to be there that I get to learn from. And um, I'm excited for people that are ready to, to move into, into greater things. And, you know, uh, there's the kingdom is here and there's more coming. And so we just want to continue to, to pull in, into the uh, the not yet that's that's on its way, and so I'm excited for that. I was just thinking when you were talking about this business of testimony that there are several places in Scripture that speak of this. One of them, uh, and there are multiple Psalms that do this, but in the Book of Psalms, uh, it says how we are to commend the works of the Lord to our children and to our children's children. And commend is not just you know, hey, you ought to see that movie, but rather to describe them, I would say, in glowing terms with enthusiasm in order that they would understand what we have experienced and that uh, ultimately they grab a hold of that for themselves and, you know, enter into that that living too. Habakkuk, Habakkuk 3, 2, uh, Habakkuk says, Oh God, I have heard of your fame and I stand in awe of your deeds in our day and in our time, renew them. Yeah. So, you know, do them again is what he's saying. And then uh, it's implied in the language that Gideon uses with the angel of the Lord when he says, well, when the angel says, the Lord is with you, mighty, mighty warrior. And Gideon kind of says, who are you talking about? But they get into this conversation as you do with the angel of the Lord. Right. And, uh, and the angel uh, the angel says, um, you know, go in the strength that you have and save Israel. And Gideon goes, well, please, sir, I have a question. He goes, where are all the deeds that we've heard about? It, it's like there's a log jam in this. And mm. where is that? Now, in Gideon's case, there isn't much healing involved. It's all war and battle. But what Gideon is looking for is a breakthrough, a decisive victory against overwhelming odds, which is precisely what the Jews had. When they came out of being pursued by Pharaoh's army. And so we see that. And then we have the story. Now I'm jumping into the New Testament of when Paul and Barnabas come and tell the apostles in Jerusalem about all the things that God's been doing with them among the Gentiles. And it, it's like it spikes a surge of faith among all of them regarding what God is doing, beyond, as we might say, beyond the borders of Israel. So we see this kind of thematic uh, replication going on through the pages of scripture because of things being talked about. And yet, you know, I've got a question for you. Some years ago, I was speaking in a church uh, that I used to visit quite a bit. 
And the pastor told me at the end of the service that he didn't want me talking about certain kinds of healing anymore. And the, the main thing that he didn't like was when I described what I've termed 100 by 100 healing, where 100% of the people get 100% healed. And I said, you know, we've had those meetings. I'm not saying they happen every time, but they can happen. They do happen. And they even happen in the United States. And, you know, the people in general really liked when I would talk about that. But this pastor said to me, I don't want you talking about that anymore because you're building false hope into people's hearts and they get disappointed when they don't get healed. How do you answer, I will call that evangelical hesitation. How do you answer evangelical hesitation uh, in the face of these various passages in, of scripture that tell us to commend the works of the Lord to the next generation and to spread the news abroad of all the things that God has done in former times of which we are ourselves eyewitnesses. How do you answer that? Uh, I mean, the, the disappointment, I mean, pastorally, I totally understand it. Um, you know, I, I preached on healing uh, two weeks ago and I actually referenced the hundred by a hundred. And, uh, you know, if Jesus is our example, then that's what we're going for. And he healed all that were brought to him. And so I'm not going to settle for less. And just because I don't see it yet, I mean, for 2000 years, the church has been crying Maranatha. Do we stop crying Maranatha because he has yet to return? Absolutely not. No, we continue to cry out. Even so, Lord, come quickly. And we yearn for his return. We don't stop pressing in to the idea that our king is coming and he's coming as a conquering king. And just because we haven't seen it yet, of course, we don't, we don't lose hope in that. No, that is our hope, right? Is, is the resurrection. And so, um, and so I understand the sentiment pastorally, and I have been the recipient of uh, disappointment and, you know, even embarrassment and the awkwardness that comes from um, moving in boldness and in faith in, into, into a hopeless scenario that you, you don't see. I, I tell the story of, uh, the, you know, um, several years ago when I think this was pre-meeting you and um, we had been seeing a lot of things happening. I was, I was arrested and obsessed with the idea of let's, I mean, in the same vein, right. As I mean, we're both familiar with the story of Wimber of like, it's, we want to see the things of the scriptures start to take place. Like, why aren't they taking place? They need to take place. And uh, my, I had an uncle who was very close to me. Um, he served as a brother figure, older brother figure. He served as a father figure, sometimes a friend figure. And he died prematurely. He died, he died young and left young, young girls and, um, you know, left a, a huge void in my life. And at the time we were seeing a tremendous amount of miracles. And I remember thinking, well, this must be the moment because I don't hang out with a lot of dead people that I get to see the dead raised. And I was there in the hospital room. I watched him die. I had complete full faith. I commanded him to come back to life multiple times for, you know, probably up to a half an hour until they dragged me out of there. And he didn't. And uh, I remember the disappointment. I remember preaching his funeral and thinking that's okay. I'm going to get one back and doing a, an altar call and people getting saved and like, you know, let's just keep going. And, but I remember I had to deal with it. And I remember um, I was praying with the Lord and, and I just I basically said, listen, I don't understand 
how you do things. I, I don't understand how you work, um, but I, I have nowhere else to go. So I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep pressing in. I'm going to keep going and I'm not giving up and I don't know what else to do. And a couple of weeks later, I get a phone call from another pastor who's out of town. One of his members um, was driving through, got in a car wreck. Husband uh, was on life support. He was dying. He wanted me to go and comfort her and pray. And I didn't have it in me. I was still in grief and, and just didn't want to do it. I ended up going. I wasn't paying attention. I was just following the maps. And it was the same hospital, the same room that I had just tried uh, and failed with my uncle. It was like, I just, I kept thinking like, are you kidding me, Jesus? Like, this is too much for me right now. I couldn't handle it. And she, I didn't know her. I didn't care anything about her. I didn't care anything about her husband. Um, she was off putting and just like, I just didn't want to be there. And so she wanted me to pray. He was, you know, I asked the nurse, you know, how long does, does he have? And she's like, Oh, a few minutes. I mean, it was happening and uh, we were getting ready to, you know, to close out the journey. And so she said, well, let's pray that he comes back to life. And I had no faith. I had no boldness. I didn't want him to come back to life. To be honest with you, I just wanted to get home and get out of there. And I put my hands on him, prayed a, you know, a weak prayer of you know, um, rebuking death and coming back to life. He walked out of the hospital, came back to life. And I didn't know what to do with that. You know, I mean, I, I just, I didn't know what to do with that. I, I, it actually didn't make me happy. It made me angry. And yeah, so dealing with a disappointment, man, it's real and I get it but it's no excuse. And, um, we don't stop crying Maranatha and we will never stop crying Maranatha. And in the same way, we'll never stop pressing in until we reach the fullness, uh, that awaits us. And so, um, yeah, let's go hundred by a hundred every time, every time. And if it doesn't happen, we give it to the Lord and we ask him why, just like the disciples did. Why, why didn't this one come out? Someone asked me a question last night. I was in New York city uh speaking on how to pray for cancer and then we of course had cancer um, patients in the room and one particular person uh, on whom we did a demonstration of how to pray um but someone asked me the question about <clears throat> this and i said you know a number of years ago when when i was rattling around loose in australia and what i have termed the australian outpouring was going on um, I had a, a, you know, a little book and I actually don't know where it is. It's probably in a box cause we've moved since then and I just haven't unpacked the box, but anyway, we had a book and I had four guys that were traveling with me. Um, and we prayed for 400 stage three and stage four cancer patients, uh, over a period of a few months, not, not all in like one meeting or even in a week. Uh, but 397 of them got healed and were, were totally fine. But three of them died. And I went back to the Lord and I was, I mean, I was respectful. He's the Lord. But I was kind of, you know, a little bit like, hey, what's going on here? Um, thank you for the 397. But that's not good enough. Because these other three, you know, if we're if we're running the table this well, uh, I don't want a 99% healing rate. I want to see 100% healing. And so I think there's something of that kind of audacious faith. We see it in Smith Wigglesworth. He even wrote a book called Ever Increasing Faith. Um, there's something of that kind of audacious faith that we want to find, lay hold of, and walk in where we literally expect that God will 
you know, meet us when we pray and we'll bring breakthrough. Um, of late, I've been preaching, not everywhere I go, but I've preached it a few times, uh, a message called Praying Unto Breakthrough. Because I think sometimes people get in the habit of praying and they, they think because they prayed, they've done what they need to do. Mm. I like to say, we don't pray in order to pray. We pray in order to secure breakthrough from the Lord. Now, we yep. can't do anything. That's very clear. It's all about him. But he responds to bold faith. And so we need to be people of faith who reach out in faith and we say, Lord, do what you said you would do or where we were about five minutes ago. Do again what you once did. It's written in your word or my friends have told me or my parents told me or my grandparents told me these things happen. I want to see that, too. I want to live in that world. I want to walk in that. That's the that's what I want uh, for my Christianity. And I believe that most Christians really want that. Uh, they may not have language for it. Or they may have never really thought about it that way. But there's something that even as I'm saying it, for a lot of people, their hearts will be resonating with it. And they'll be going, yeah, that's it. I, I want that. Well, when you have that kind of thing rise up within you, I think that's the very nature of why people say, hey, Jesus called me. I want to follow him. I may be giving up my fishing business or my tax business or my corporate finance business in my case, but I'm doing this because I want to live in that world. That's what I want. And so I really believe that the normal life for a Christian should be maybe not every day, although possibly every day, should be marked by miracles. Because Paul yeah. says to the Galatian church, does he uh, who puts his spirit among you and who continues working miracles among you, did he do it because you obeyed works of the law or because you believed what you heard? Now, there he is very specifically talking about believing what you heard in the preaching of the gospel. So it's it's a salvation focus, but the um, the wider the wider implication is what you heard from Grant Pemberton, what you heard from Smith Wigglesworth, what you read in the pages of the Bible, what you heard from your grandparents or your parents, what you heard from somebody else giving a testimony. Does God give you His Spirit and continue working miracles because you're just going through the motions and you follow the rules, or does He do it because you believe? And so one of the things that I hope really happens at this event that we're doing is I really hope people's faith is stirred up to a new level and that it stays there and that this be, bring, brings about an increase in what I might call sustainable breakthrough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, if you look at the revivals through the scriptures, it's like you think about Nehemiah. If you think about all of those, I mean, it's a rediscovery of what God did in the law, but also in the Exodus story. And, and it's this, it's this idea of like, you know, he delivered us here. He delivers this. This is Peter's talk in acts of, of this. These are those days that were, you know, and so I do think that there's so much of what's needed um, to, to be able to say, look, this is what he did before. And he's he's capable and wants to do it again. And I'm going to devote everything I have to see that. And and just, you know, this is probably another episode somewhere that we should do. But just to let people know, I mean, th this is the story of of how Grant met Ken. Is that, you know, I I watched the the videos on YouTube of Wember uh, from the 80s or 90s or whenever those were, 
when I was about three years old and wanted to experience that, wanted to experience the power, wanted to experience the, just the, the transforming nature of, of what was being carried in those meetings. And I, I got crazy uh, about it and I started going around and I didn't see it. I, I couldn't find it. Um, until going to a breakout session with some guy named Ken Fish that Aaron Evans told me, you got to go and see him. And I, I'd seen all the people. And the thing that I didn't experience until that day was uh, was that dunamis dynamic power encounter that um, that I saw come through on the on the old YouTube VHS transcribed videos. That was the one with Sarah, your wife got completely crushed by the Holy Spirit, right? We had to go back to the hotel room and just like that was it for the conference. Like we didn't get any more conference and we were both it hit her like a thunderbolt. And I was remember thinking like, boy, she's reacting interestingly. And then all of a sudden it hit me and I was doubled over on the floor and the whole room exploded like a like a case of dynamite went off. I've never seen anything like it. I grew up Pentecostal, mind you. So I've seen some stuff and never seen anything like it. And so I I did anything that I could possibly do to get as much time with you as possible. And that's why we do this. I got out of college. Um, my career ambition was to be a cult leader and it's working out pretty well. I mean, look, I recruited you. It, it works. You're the worst cult leader I've seen because, you know, uh, typically the cult leaders, they just get fabulously rich. And, uh, and I know so you're just doing a terrible job at it. But it's, it's the principle of saying, like, I want to find the guys. I want to find the people that, that were there, that have experienced it, that are experiencing it. And, you know, if, if you, there's a principle in this, if like, if you're around it, if you see it, it's yours. And so it's just, it's, are you willing to, to sacrifice? I mean, this podcast, I, I, neither of us get paid to do this and um, I'm not on any Orbis staff, but it's a joy to be able to spend sometimes several hours a week uh, being able to hear stories and be with you and meet, meet your friends and, and make new friends. And it's a sacrifice and it's even tonight I'm exhausted and I've got a lot to do after this. I forgot about this, uh, <laughs> this podcast, but it's, uh, it's what you do if you want something, you know, everybody does it. Everybody, everybody sacrifices for, for, for things that they want. And are you willing to sacrifice for, for Jesus? Are you willing to sacrifice for the kingdom? And so I think, you know, when I think about a conference like this and what we're going to be able to make available, I mean, it's cheap too. Like the conference tickets are, I don't even know what there are right now, but it's, I know it's cheap, a lot cheaper than it should be for all of the people that are there and what, what's going to be able to happen. And so, I mean, there's a principle of just making room in your life. And, you know, if you seek, you'll find, as somebody said once, and what are you seeking? What are you spending your hours on? I mean, is it just binging, you know, Netflix? Is it, your fantasy football league. I mean, whatever it is, those, those are fine and great, but you're just going to get more of that. Or are you just going to go full out devoted to the things of our savior? Cause he is coming back and we do, we are going to be held account and say, this is what I did with my time. This is what I did with my, my energy. This is what I did with my resources. And so, you know, when we're, when we're having a conference like fusion and we're talking about the more, um, how could you not, how could you not spend whatever it takes to get around something like that and, and to be able to move in that. Um, I don't know. And so I've seen it in my life and I'm not there yet. There's, you know, I was just reading one of our other guests, Bobby Connors, uh, which is what my friend Aaron Evans used to call him. He'd call him Bobby Connors. 
for some reason plural uh and so it's it's not plural it's bobby connor um <laughs> he would always say bobby connor's and i was just reading he's going to be there and i was just reading a shepherd's rod that just came out um this week and that he's been getting for 28 years now and i was like man he i want to i want a visitation like that i want i want to to be able to to experience that why not and that that was the thing when i first discovered these people like you and like john paul jackson and uh, bob jones and these and bobby connor and these guys i remember i was sitting with aaron evans who's been on the podcast he's no longer with us and he was a spiritual father of mine and a friend of yours and i remember arguing with him i was angry and i said you know how come these guys are so special and and why can't why why haven't i experienced this you know what, what's the deal this doesn't seem to fly like it doesn't make sense in, in the things that I read in the gospel and it doesn't make sense in this everybody gets to play thing and all of that sort of stuff, you know? And he told me, he said, you know, the Lord raised these people up as an example of what's available. And so he, he sovereignly moved on them. They didn't earn it. They're not special. They just got this sovereign thing that the Lord did to show us what's available. And so, you know, honestly, on Yom Kippur this, this week, that just we're just in, I went to bed thinking maybe this is the time that the Lord visits me and he takes me up to heaven and shows me what's to come. And that was my expectancy. It didn't happen, um, you know, but maybe next year. And so it's just that idea of like, man, there's, there's so much more. I mean, until, you know, until I throw my cloak down and the water parts until I throw, you know, um, uh, an ax handle and, and, and the head raises up until, I can see the armies of the Lord that outnumber the armies of men. There's more. And uh, I think that's what we're going for in this conference. And I, I so appreciate it. It's worth the work. It's worth the effort. And um, I'm excited. I don't, I don't really care if anybody else comes because I'm going to be there and I'm excited to be there. And I know I'm going to get something from it. But there are a lot of people who are going to come. We have a, have a fairly strong pre-registration at this point. Um, I'll take this moment just to state that uh um as we're making this recording it is uh friday the 29th of september and we have opened a streaming option for those who can't make it or uh, usually because they're in another state or another country um or you have things that conflict you out i will tell you though that uh, because of just the configuration of our facilities we won't be able to make every single piece of the conference available to the streamers. They, they will get the general sessions and one of the panel discussions, but the, the other will not be available. And of course, all the impartation, the chance to interact with our speakers and so forth, that will not be uh, available to those who stream. So the streaming is, I mean, it's better than nothing, but you're getting, I don't know, three quarters of it or two thirds of it or something, not, not the full enchilada. Um, the other thing about uh, the conference that, that I want to make sure everybody is aware of, uh, because I know there's going to be some confusion around this, uh, we did have some facilities issues, which are resolved now, which is good. But the net effect is we are splitting the location of the conference um, on Wednesday night, the 18th of October, and uh, Thursday night, the 19th of October, we will be at Christ Church, Nashville. And only on those two uh, meetings, that's Wednesday night, the 18th of October, 
and Friday night, the uh, 19th of October. No, excuse me, Thursday night. Wednesday night, the 18th. Thursday night, the 19th. Mm -hmm. Those two nights and only those two sessions, those general sessions will be held at Christ Church Nashville. For all the rest of the conference, so the day sessions on Wednesday, the day, excuse me, there are no day sessions on Wednesday. For the day sessions on Thursday, for the entire of Friday, including the evening, and the entire of Saturday, including the evening, all of that will be at Bethel World Outreach. Now, these churches are about five minutes apart from each other, so it's not like, you know, you got to do the cross-town boogie. But you do need to be aware that um, that the two first evenings, again, Wednesday night, Thursday night, those will be at Christ Church Nashville, and everything else will be at Bethel World Outreach. So if you're coming or you haven't decided yet and you decide to walk up and register at the door, be sure you go to the right door. Otherwise, you won't be in the right place. Um, Grant, one other question I have for you. So you've shared a little bit about what your thinking is around your general session and thematically kind of what you're what you're going to talk about. Um, you're also leading a panel discussion. Talk to us about kind of what you envision for that panel and what you what you anticipate people will get out of that and and why this is maybe even a richer, fuller way for people to interact with the speakers and gain from them than simply listening to a plenary session. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I'm leading a panel and uh, can I say who it's with? Yeah. Okay. It's with uh, Bob Hazlitt and Kim Moss and it's going to be about finding your prophetic voice. And I'll tell you, so in this, in this process of just like trying to, to grow and find, um, find what the Lord has, um, you, you know, I, I've been able to get around a lot of different people and, and find myself at all of these strange international prophetic roundtable events and, and all of that. And, uh, I can't tell you how much help it's been to me to have friends that, that move in those things and being able to ask them questions. And, you know, I'll be with, uh, James, uh, Gall, who's a good friend and just like ask him like, okay, so how did that revelation actually come? And like, you just said a bunch of things. So tell me actually what happened, you know, and being able to just dialogue with, with the people that are, are getting these sort of next level, so to speak encounters. I'll tell you, you learn a couple of things. First of all, it's not as rare as you think. Some of the things that they're encountering, I'm encountering too. I just don't have language. And so it helps give language and language helps order our thoughts and it actually helps us process what is going on. And so a lot of times when these new things start to happen to us, we just don't have language for it and we can miss what, what's actually happening. And so being able to dialogue with people like Bob Hazlitt and Kim Moss about finding your prophetic voice and what does that look like? And, okay, tell me exactly, like, what, what do you mean when the revelation landed on you? Like, did something physically land on you or did you get a thought? Did you get an open vision? Did you get, you know, all of those sort of things? For me, I mean, I just pepper people with questions until they stop answering me and they just tell me they have to go to bed or something like that. And so, but it's because I, I want to know, like, tell me what you mean when you say that, that you, you went into the third heavens. Like, what does that mean? Did you, did you imagine it? You know, is this, are you talking about something where you were imagining things and like you had like some sort of holy imagination thing or were you physically there and touch, you know, and it's helped, it helps me grow in it. It helps me discover it. It helps me learn how to even pray for things and like, because you, you need to ask the Lord, 
like if you want something, I, I remember being with John Paul Jackson and talking about an experience that he had and I got jealous and I went home and I just said, Lord, like, you know, apparently you love me as much as you love him according to your scripture. So I want some of that. I want to have those kind of things. I want to, I want to do that. I mean, what, what's the deal? And I, I think it was that night he took me somewhere and, it, you know, and, 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 and so just seeing things and, and being able to hear people in dialogue with what they, how it works, you can actually pray better for, for what you want the Lord to do in your life. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about, you know, tell me, tell me how you grew in it. Tell me how, you know, practically I'm, I'm really big. Give me the next steps. Give me the real, like, what was the next thing you did practically? Don't, don't just tell me theory. Um, let's, let's actually work this out. And so we're going to talk a lot about that. I'm, I'm excited to do that. Great. All right. Well, folks, you've heard it now from uh, the mouth of the one and only Grant Pemberton. Uh, we're going to be in Nashville, October 18th to the 21st. Uh, it's coming right up. You can buy a streaming ticket, but honestly, you'd much rather be there in person. So if you can uh, get to Nashville or if you live in Nashville, maybe take a day or two off work and come join us uh, Wednesday night, the 18th and Thursday night, the 19th. We will be at Christ Church, Nashville. And uh, this is all in Franklin, Tennessee. And uh, all the rest of the conference will be held at Bethel World Outreach, also in Franklin, Tennessee. And these two churches are about five minutes apart. We do have hotel blocks reserved with uh, both Hilton and Marriott properties. If you don't know how to access those blocks, you should go to kingdomfusion.org. You can sign up there. You can get information about hotels. And uh, I don't know what more to say, except we're looking forward to this. And we'll plan on seeing you there. Grant, anything more you want to add before we sign off? I do. I, I want to like let people in on the context locally. Uh, I was with a group that was sort of uh, initiated by some people from the governor's office, and and we were sitting around uh, this past week, and all all of these people, these CEOs, these thought leaders, radio personalities, whoever, they were talking about how the Lord just told them to come here uh, to 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 Nashville and uh, and the greater area. And so we're, we were talking about that and, and what we're seeing here locally is um, amazing and dramatic and there's an outpouring and, and the Lord is moving here uniquely. And it's no accident that both the churches that we're at and that we're doing this uh, because we, we had one church locked up for a long time and then they weren't able to do it last minute. And so that's why we scrambled. That's why we had to find two locations and all of those sort of things. But the ones that we actually are now at are legacy churches in the area that were birthed out of like significant moves of God and revivals that took place uh, here in town. And you can Google the history of both of these uh, churches and it's, it's all over, all over there. A lot coming from the Jesus people movement, a lot coming from, from all of that. And so I just, I just, I don't think this is just a normal conference. I don't think this is an accidental thing. I don't think the timing's accidental. Um, I have I have a high expectancy on what the Lord is doing here and now in this area in Nashville uh, and 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 the conference and the theme and even where the location is that we weren't planning on doing and just you can just see the Lord's steps ordering this and so I believe that this is going to be significant in the kingdom of God and the history of the kingdom of God uh, even now and it's it's just not a happenstance of how this is all working out and so uh, I believe it's divinely inspired, and I think it's going to be. I think we're going to be talking about this for eternity. So I'm excited. All right. 
Well, Grant, thanks for uh, stepping out of the role of um, of host and being our interviewee today. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you as well as all of our guests who are listening to the podcast and a host of others in Nashville, Tennessee, October 18 to 21 at the Fusion Conference. Uh, thanks for joining us. And we'll be back here next week at the same time for another episode of God is Not a Theory. The Fusion Conference is fast approaching. Although we would love to see everyone in Nashville, we realize that some of you are limited with travel. For this reason, we have decided to make online live streaming available for the conference. If you are interested in attending online, you can click on the link in the description of this podcast and register for live stream today.